It's time for another movie mastery. That's right. It's the podcast where we don't know what we're going to watch until we sit down to watch it. And we only watch the movies that you recommend to us. And I am your host, John, over there, my co-host, Jeff. And Hello. together, together, we form a union. Mm-hmm. We are greater than the sum of our parts. Together, an extra With ball shows up. Our powers combined. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. We can sit through most of a bad movie. Yeah, with a lot of breaks. Yeah, so we watched Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me, and we stopped that movie several times to do other things. Mostly daughter-related. I had, Sage was not having us sitting around watching some kind of ball trip and murder mystery. Yeah, which... God bless her. Or I guess in this case, uh, who's gonna, who's going to have done it? Yeah. So, for those that don't know, uh, Twin Peaks Fire Walk with Me is a prequel movie to the Twin Peaks TV series. The Fire first Walked two with me. What? Yeah, it was Fire Walked with me. That was Fire the... Walked with me. Yeah, that's what it was called back then. I was walking with a fire. I said fire. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, this takes place in the last seven days of Laura Palmer before the TV show starts. Mm-hmm. And if you watch this first, it will spoil <laughs> most of the things for the first two seasons. Mm, indeed. Uh, so we, of course, if you have not seen Twin Peaks and for some reason we're going like, you know, I've really been meaning to watch this 30-year-old soap opera from David Lynch, I guess chill out and not listen to the rest of this, because we're going to spoil everything. I'm not. I have no idea what the fuck just happened. Oh, yeah. Oh, I know exactly what the fuck just happened. I didn't watch Twin Peaks in the first place. Yeah, so I have seen all of season one and most of season two. Jeff has seen... The pilot episode. Good. Great. Yeah. I'm honestly amazed that t- Twin Peaks managed to be broadcast on, like, ABC in primetime. Yeah, in the 80s, right? Cause I, 1990. 1990. All right, yeah, sure, why not? I was 10. This is not my jam at all. Yeah, and it was, like, acclaimed enough that it got a season two, which is also very weird. Well, to I me. mean, it was a TV show by the acclaimed uh, producer of... Dune. Well, at first I was like, Eraser. No, no one give. Uh, uh, no one gives a shit about that. Blue Velve. Um, ah, Blue Velve. My favorite movie. Blue Vulva. Ah, yes. That that famous meme picture online. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I never watched the series. I briefly tried just in time to watch the first episode before they pulled it off Netflix. Mm, mm, I mm. think. I don't remember which. I Don't don't hold me to that. I don't remember which one of the the streaming services I was trying to watch it on. Uh, I, th- I think probably it was Netflix, but yeah. who knows? I don't know. Uh, yeah, it is definitely a show. It's weird because I've seen several David Lynch things. Mm-hmm. And i don't like any of them so let's just throw that out there right now if you're one of those people who's really into david lynch's dumb nonsense ooh, baby you're gonna get real angry with us in a minute yeah i feel like that might literally be the reason that this was on the list for us to roll into anyway because it's a trap 
Oh, yeah. They know full well that we're going to be like, what the fuck was that? Which is just straight up crusty having watched the Russian uh, worker and parasite <laughs> video. Uh, and that we're going to piss off a bunch of people who like have loved these this product for their whole lives. Oh, yeah. And I cannot wait to do that. Yeah. Like, that's what I hold dear in our business here is being able to take something that everyone loves and be like, hey, you know what? Rockadoodle? Not very good. Yeah, we call it aggressively losing fans. <laughs> hey, you remember the crow and how much you loved it? It was kind of bad. It was really bad. <laughs> hey, you remember all those movies that you liked and haven't seen in 30 years? Turns out you had shit taste because you were a kid. <laughs> That's why we need to focus more on those cartoons. I got I got to get rock and roll in front of your eyes. <laughs> Man, I have watched the first I'm going to say 20 minutes, 25 minutes of that because of me, yeah. Because of you and I I was just I had the same reaction to that as I did to this movie where I was just like do something. <laughs> have an action. How are you finding each other sexy? Uh, everything <laughs> in this is so slow. I don't care. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. We I mean, are... that's that's actually a relatively fast-paced one of those. You 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 daring me right now to bring you in front of an episode of like Gandahar or Fantastic Planet or Fire and Ice? Oh, Fantastic Planet can bite my entire butthole. <laughs> The parts that exist, the parts that don't. The parts of my butthole that do not exist. Yeah, it's a hole. Like, by definition, it's an, it's an absence of something. Indeed. Yeah. And they can bite it. Yes, okay. That which does not exist. Yeah, yeah, okay. Did you see that argument the other day about online about whether, what you call donut holes? I, I heard that it existed, and I was weirded out that anyone would call them something aside from donut holes. Yeah, apparently there's there's a regional... I don't know what region, but someone calls them uh, steamed hams. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> well, I'm from Utica. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It's an Albany expression. Mm. No, no, no. People call them munchkins. And then all the Canadians, of course, were popping up and being like, they're Timbits because they're slaves to some sort of corporate overlord. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. I get it. I, uh, anyway, I'm sorry. I don't mean to distra distract from you playing 20 seconds of a Moby song and then us fucking railing on this thing for an hour and a half. <laughs> Just going to town on this movie. <laughs> so we are going to play a little bit of music. We will be back after that with the full spoiler review of Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me. <laughs> And we are back. It is time now for us to get right into the meat and potatoes of Twin Peaks Firewalk with me. I still don't understand the Firewalk with me thing. Well, I mean, she it's, yells it at one point in the film. Yeah, I was like, character. she says it. Yeah. And I don't know why. Then again... I don't know why any of this shit happens. I mean, I don't I'm not worried about the title. It, it seems similar to how like the never ending story had a clear delineated ending to it. This is just some bullshit. Well, the never ending story is a book within the diegetic world. Yeah. And in the di movie, in the diegetic world of this movie, at one point, she says, fire, walk with me. all creepy <laughs> for like a split second. And then they change her makeup and then they change it back. Uh, so there you go. You know, they being Laura Palmer, by the way. Her. I gotta say, 
having now watched this as well and refreshing my memory, the uh, the actress who plays Laura Palmer, I think Cheryl Lee. That is correct. Yes. Uh, man, she would have been a great Joker. She has got a smile on her yeah she has a big mouth she got a big face she got she got one of them big toothy smiles she kind of looks like a mutant shark scully Ah! good i mean i'm not wrong right Uh you can kind of see that like like what if agent scully also had shark powers that'd be that'd be kind of this character what if yeah i mean it's kind of bold to make the movie all about a character who was in, in, in that show was nothing but flashbacks and like a photograph yeah I think. I don't know. I've never seen it. What do I, I mean, in the show, all you really get is her dead body and some pictures, although the actress plays her cousin in the show. Oh, okay. So, because the whole thing is supposed to be David Lynch's take on soap operas. Yeah. So, we've got, you know, mistaken identity things and all sorts of murder mystery stuff and whatnot, but... <sighs> Having seen most of the Twin Peaks show, sure, and getting into the movie, mm-hmm. I was like, man, the Twin Peaks show, when you watch season one, it seems like nobody knows what's going on, and like a couple people in town are like, oh, it was like this huge secret, and nobody knew that Laura Palmer was doing whatever, but I'm like, man, we go through the last week of her life, and she is just blatantly fucking everyone and doing drugs yeah she's basically just sleeping with everyone in town there are characters that she goes to for like a scene and it's just like hey uh like harold is this guy where she's just like hey keep these pages or look at my diary i tore the pages out it's because of this guy bob and harold's like hey i'm the only guy in this movie that you're not sleeping with i think so uh okay bye (laughs) yeah the (sighs) that character exists in the show now apparently this movie had David Lynch took like five hours worth of footage mm-hmm. and cut it down to the two hours we saw, which I have to imagine the other three hours is just the stuff that would have made any sense. It was mostly more characters from the show, like just doing a parade of people you remember <laughs> from the show. <laughs> Kyle McLaughlin was also supposed to have a much larger role in he's, this. He's barely in this. Yeah, because he was so afraid that Twin Peaks was going to make him be typecast Mm -hmm. that he was like, no, I'm done with that. Like, I'll be in this briefly, but I don't want to have that be the only thing people associate me with. Yeah, I want people to know me as Paul Mwadib. (laughs) I want to Leader of the Fremen. I mean, at this point, he had been in several David Lynch properties. Mm-hmm. Like, what was he worried people were going to typecast him as? Someone in a David Lynch movie? Oh, no. Uh, and eventually, he did go on to become typecast as the person that Elizabeth Berkeley violently grinds against. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes. That type. <laughs> no one else is in that role. That's that's a Kyle McLaughlin thing. Oh, yeah. You see someone violently grinding against Kyle McLaughlin, you think that's Elizabeth Berkley, and likewise. <laughs> and indeed, vice versa. Uh, the only things I've really seen him in are this movie now, which he's only in for maybe 30 seconds. Yeah. Uh, Dune and Showgirls. And then finally, uh, his turn on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yep. So that's, that's my full experience with this dude. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. He's great. Every time he shows up on something, I'm like, I love that guy. Well, anyway, the guy who I thought was Chris Isaac at the beginning of this movie, because I did not remember how... I mean, uh, 
You, you I thought just said he Chris was, Isaac. Yeah. And I was right. He was Chris Isaac indeed. And indeed, I was right all along. The guy who I thought was Kyle McLaughlin at the very beginning of this movie, because I did not remember how Twin Peaks the show started, uh, is Chris Isaac uh, playing Special Agent Chester... Uh, Dorman? Du- Dufresne? Dufresne? Chester Dramamine? It's, 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 it's uh, Dumont. Dumont. There we go. Yeah. Uh, Chris Isaac doing his best to just really channel that Kyle McLaughlin energy in this. Yeah. Um, but he is investigating a murder that we hear about in the TV show, which is uh, Tara Banks. Uh, Teresa Banks. Teresa Banks. And he's Sorry. not even doing that at the beginning. The very beginning of this movie is an extremely stage-looking shot of of David Lynch himself yelling at a secretary. Yeah. The fact that David Lynch put himself in a very, very minor role in the TV show, but then had to use that for the movie, I was like, oh, good. Great. So he plays like the head of whatever this is. Are they FBI? FBI. Are they supposed to be FBI? Okay. Yeah. The head of this F- FBI division who's like a deaf guy that has to yells at everybody. Uh, who is ordering that Special Agent Chester be sent to Portland to investigate a, the murder of Teresa Banks. And he is not investigating the murder of Teresa Banks at the beginning, but rather cleaning up the crime scene of some school bus thing? Yeah, it's a very Lynchian thing to be like, oh, what's going on here? Oh, I've just got something where like children are crying in a school bus while people are patting down two very, like, punk looking ladies mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't this is not ever going to be explained and every matter. single person is disaffected about the whole thing so they're all just kind of looking off into the distance like they're waiting for someone to take the picture for their christian rock album cover it's uh it's real weird and kyle mclaughlin is there in that scene in the background yes so you're like oh okay they had to have known each other that's how they knew each other the the lady bus children massive ah yes the lady bus children situation hi and i'm lady bus children uh, oh my welcome to downton abbey what news of the london season oh mr darcy do 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 anyway so uh so yeah so uh indeed He's like, yeah, fine, I'll go to Portland. We get some some weird casting in this of, like, Kiefer Sutherland is his partner for uh, this. Yeah, his partner's like a weird math-obsessed nerd. uh, uh, Both these characters in the movie for, like, ten minutes tops, so don't get used to them. Uh, But, yeah, he lands and is immediately greeted by Kiefer Sutherland playing, like, a dude who, who constantly tracks the numbers of any given situation. Yeah. And he's supposed to sort of be like the expert on like the dead body nonsense. So he's like the science expert to so he, so Chris like, Isaac's hard boiled detective. So he's the Scully. He's the second Scully in this movie. This he's movie, double Scully. Yeah, this movie is a richness of Scullies. <laughs> it has got an overabundance of Scullies. It's a Scullium Gullion. It's an embarrassment of Scullies. <laughs> Coming this season to Broadway. <laughs> Too many Scullies. Oops. All Scullies. Uh, Scully, turn off the dark. <laughs> uh. So, so yeah, the two of them are also met by David Lynch's character, ba- the boss, yeah, uh, who's like, all right, boys, I'm going to talk like an old-timey baseball announcer at you, because I'm not even acting in this movie. Yeah, he's his whole character is that he's constantly got just, like, headphones in. Well, he's deaf, so he's... That's his he- that's his hearing aid. So he's just yelling at everyone. Yeah, he's partially deaf, so he's yelling at everyone. 
and then he's like, oh, by the way, he's like, yeah, I want the two of you to figure out the murder of this here Teresa Banks. By the way, uh, I got an extra thing for you. And then, like, a secretary comes out and does a stupid dance. Yeah, that is probably, I want to say, the most Lynchian thing in this movie, where he's like, and now this. And then it just pans to a weird-looking lady doing an, like, not even really a dance, just a series of jerky movements. Yeah, she's kind of doing, like, a shuffly Charleston sort of thing. And making weird faces. Yeah, well, she's doing a kind of duck sour face, like like she just ate a sour ball or something. And, like, just sort of dancing around and just in a, in a small space. And then it cuts back to Lynch, who's got one hand over his face like he's voguing. And he's like, yeah, it's my mother's sister's daughter. Yeah. You think it's a good one? And All right, go, boys. And then we have to get that whole thing explained by Chris Isaac, who's just like, oh, yeah. Because for some reason, he wouldn't tell me what the specifications of this mission were. Uh, he had a lady come out, so it was a woman, so it's a case dealing with a woman, and she had a sour face, which means that it's bad the, things happening. Well, and that the, well, uh, running in place would suggest that the locals aren't going to be nice to us. Well, running in places, there's going to be a lot of legwork. Oh, right. Uh, the sour she, face is that the locals aren't going to like this. Uh, she's got a hand in her pocket, which means that there's drugs involved and a hand out that's waving which means the police don't want to help and her dress has been hemmed up which indicates that it's uh, a, a murder mystery or something and then also there's a she's wearing a blue rose in her lapel which agent chester is not at liberty to explain to agent Kiefer sutherland yeah because he's a special agent and Kiefer is just an agent yeah and that's going to lead to the special agent aspect of this movie is going to lead to the weirdest scene in the film by far the least connected to the rest of the movie in any way. Uh, anyway, the yeah, so the two of them are driving into town having this whole conversation about, oh, yeah, the dancing lady is a secret code. I can't tell you what it means. It's a, but I, oh, all of it, but most of it you've already figured out because you're so observant. And I'm like, wouldn't people who were spying on them just as easily notice the crazy dancing lady that comes out of nowhere and then the weird hand gesture that david lynch does afterwards well yeah but you'd be like okay definitely this is a code Mm -hmm. like you'd see that and go all right they're conveying something yeah but at least with that it's ridiculous enough to be like i don't know man yeah it's ridiculous enough that you're like why don't just hand him a piece of paper yeah like, you could just get a manila envelope and put a little piece of paper that gives them the details, but you, no. You could scribble it on a note from your air, from your private airplane seat and just hand it to him. But and in, eat this. <laughs> but that wouldn't give us weird visuals and a mystery about a blue rose, so yeah. it wouldn't be David Lynch. Or, or a creepy soundtrack a, a bit. Which, by the way, this movie has maybe four songs in it total. Yeah, it just uses the music from the TV show, mm-hmm. which just has those songs repeat throughout most of it was driving me nuts because there's this song it's it's by a guy named angelo bandalamente and it's called like the laura palmer theme but moby sampled it and got famous off sampling it so i spent the whole movie going like like huh it's a moby song and then every once in a while the song would end and they would just start the same song again yeah. the scene change and they just cut to the same song again and i was just like all right i get it enough with a weird moby song and they did that in the show, too. So I was just kind of like, I, 
it didn't phase me at all because I was like, yeah, I get it. It's Twin Peaks. You're just going to play the same fucking song over and over it's again. It's so weird to hear the song be interrupted by the same song. Yeah. When they're like, oh, we didn't quite finish with that song, but we did change scenes. So now we have to start over from the beginning. <laughs> it keeps happening. Uh, okay. So, yeah, the two of them are being sent into a town to investigate the murder of Teresa Banks, who we have only seen as a plastic bag floating by in a river. Yeah. And... <sighs> Sure enough, the information was correct, as the local police are super belligerent and do not want to help them or give them any information. They're being real dicks about everything, and as far as I can tell, for no reason. Oh, yeah, because when we get to, like, the Twin Peaks TV show, that police department is super helpful. Everyone really wants to be like, yeah, this was uh, our, you know, hometown sweetheart was Laura Palmer, and we want to do everything to help you guys get this whole thing wrapped up. But here, they're just like, oh, no one knew this person, but we are going to be angrily obstructing you at every point for mm, no gain. Every single person in town loved Agent Scully, the 27-year-old high school student that slept with everyone. (laughs) Everybody loved that 30-year-old coke fiend. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's just every time they they reiterate that all of these characters are high school students, I I, I was like, hang on, hang on, please, please wait and explain again, because all of them look like they're either her or agents from or or, uh, like backup musicians for Pearl Jam. Oh, yeah. No, the the show also had a bit thing where in the show there was also a soap opera that ran in the background. Mm -hmm. And so that got a lot of things were like. It would have a plot in the background about, like, someone's twin sister or whatever right before the person who plays Laura Palmer came in as her cousin. Oh, how very clever. And so all of the dumb trope things, like, oh, it's just, you know, 20-something-year-olds playing high schoolers, all that shit was sort of going on in the background of it. Okay. So he was like, oh, it excuses me using these tropes because I'm aware of them and doing them anyway. Mm, sure. Anyway, the cops are real grumpy. Uh, and they're like, oh, yeah, you can help yourself to some coffee. It was fresh. Oh, I don't know. Two days ago. <laughs> and then Chris Isaac, like, just kind of regulates on them a bit. Oh, yeah. And it's <laughs> it's still weird to me because I'm like, no, these guys are FBI and you knew that they were coming and you're just being assholes. And I don't get what's in it for you. Yeah, I know, because eventually what's going to happen is they're just going to go above your head to whatever level of Oregon state government and get you all in, in serious trouble. Yeah. This isn't it, worth the time. I could almost see it if they were like, hey, we're the ones working this case and we're really dedicated to finding out who this is because, you know, this is someone that we cared about and we want to do the legwork ourselves, but they just don't care. Yeah, they don't give a shit. It, she, everyone in town knew that she was like some kind of trailer trash. I was like, oh, it's just some drifter. Yeah. She only worked at like a diner for a month. No one knew her really or cared about her, but we're still going to be like, oh, no, you can't look at the body. Ugh. Yeah, we close it. It's 445 and we close up at five around here. Ugh. And I was like... Come on, my dude. I am FBI. Just give me the keys. I will lock up and get the fuck away from me. Yeah. Well, they go out and they investigate the body of Teresa Palmer and (laughs) Teresa Banks, Teresa Banks. And wouldn't you know it, uh, she's got a missing, obviously missing ring. She's dead from a blow to the back of the head. And underneath one of her fingernails is a piece of paper with a T on it. 
which ties into the show again because Laura Palmer was found with an R under her fingernail. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. Probably because Ray Wise killed her. Is that is that <laughs> spoiler alert? Is that is that why? Oof! I don't care. I didn't. I haven't seen the show, so I'm not spoiling fuck all. <laughs> I could just be wrong. Well, anyway, I, I don't know what the T's for either. I guess because her name is Teresa. Yeah, and uh, and uh, I guess yeah. I guess for Laura Palmer, Rora Ro- Ro- Palmer, Rora Palmer. Oh, it's because she was killed by Ray Wise. It's different pieces of paper. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you find all the dead bodies, it gets together and says "Drink Oval Team." <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. So we've only found one of the R's and the T. Yeah. That's good to hear. Okay, good. There's, There's a lot more, more dead people. A lot up. more dead, sexy twenty-five-year-old teenagers in town. Uh so they have to deal with that. They go to the diner to try and find out information. And for some reason, this uh, this town, Deer Creek, that they are in. Yes, yes. Is equally as weird as Twin Peaks. Oh, this isn't just set in Twin Peaks? Oh, that is very confusing. I did no, not know that. The beginning of this mm-hmm. is set in Deer Creek. Right. And... For some reason, it's just as weird. Well, it's probably because David Lynch directed it. I mean, come on. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, then again, when we do go back to FBI headquarters, like, that's also weird as David Bowie shows up and is a ghost. Far and away the weirdest part of this movie, because it feels like it's only connected to the show and not to the film in the slightest way. It's just like, what happened? Oh, this, uh, this guy who's been missing for 20 years is David Bowie. He shows up. Everyone has an acid trip, and then when they call down, he was never there. Yeah. Like, no, that, okay. that scene is the craziest bullshit. You're, you're supposed to be like, wow, David Bowie was never even there? What a shock. And then the next scene is also like, oh, also, Agent Chester is gone for, for the rest of the movie. He just, yeah, he, he's he, also vanished. He found the ring that was obviously missing off of the body, and right when he goes to touch it, we cut away, and then he's never seen again. Yes. Uh, which seems to be a regular thing. It seems like if you touch the ring, you go to the red room. In, unless in you the don't, Black Lodge. In, in the Black Lodge. In the red room, in the Black Lodge, there's a <laughs> ring. And yet you wouldn't let me sing the uh, Check Out Agent Chester song at the beginning of this. <laughs> <laughs> Nerd computer, ace. Uh, okay, but yeah, he... <laughs> The, the, unless you don't want to go to the Black Lodge Red Room, in which case you get to drive around all angry in a in a pickup truck, I guess, uh, with your ring on. I, I don't, I don't care. There's a lot of weird, dumb shit in this because it's David Lynch. I don't care. Okay, so so yeah, there's a lot of weird characters in in not Twin Peaks, uh, and we will. <laughs> As soon as the uh, the main guy disappears, like, they send the body off to the main office to get looked at, mm-hmm. and he disappears, and after that, we will never see these people again, and the first half hour of this didn't matter. Yeah. Uh, so here's what, here's what basically happened. First, they meet a lady who is a wait, no, first they meet a guy who owns a, a restaurant in town who is in front of a flickering light bulb, and he's like, yeah, go talk to the waitress. But don't talk to the waitress, because she's busy. But talk to the waitress. Anyway, how come you haven't fixed that flickering light bulb, he says, in a the non-actoriest way possible, as if David Lynch just cast, like, random friends. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then we go right to the waitress, who's just like, I never cared for this goyle. But actually, she was really very nice. And then the only other character is a dude who's like, hey, are you asking about that murdered girl? And then clearly has a memory issue because that's the next line he has as well. Yeah. There you go. Uh, 
Uh, we get Harry Dean Stanton briefly as a guy who owns the trailer park. Yeah, I think my favorite line from the entire beginning t- 30 minutes of this movie is the, are you interested in hearing about our specials? There aren't any. That was yeah. that was all right. That was that was I was pleased with that line. Uh, so, yeah, after the half hour of dumb bullshit nonsense that didn't matter, we move on to the rest of the movie that doesn't matter. And yeah. now we- we're just going to focus on pretty much Laura Palmer exclusively well, with a I mean, little bit of flashback. I feel like we got to do a little more about the David Bowie scene and the trailer park. Just a, just a bit. I mean, they look around <laughs> trailer park. Nothing fucking matters. That part's fine. That's skippable. Except for a one second moment where the bad guy from Goonies comes into the into the trailer that they're investigating. Yeah. And then just walks back out backwards again. Yeah. Mama Fratelli shows up, mm-hmm. is covered in dirt, says nothing, and then walks backwards away from the scene. Yes. Is she the person that's in the one trailer that's not there anymore? We don't know. Yeah. And we never will. Uh, and then also when they're like, all right, well, let's go back to headquarters and talk to people. Miguel Ferrer is there. And the two of them, uh, Miguel Ferrer and Chris Isaac have a brief conversation. I know. Hang no. on. He's having that conversation with Chris Isaac. And that happens with, later. With Kyle McLaughlin. It does. You're right. Well, he goes well, He goes back. Chris Isaac goes back to this place and he has a brief conversation with David Lynch that doesn't make any sense because they're probably talking in code. And then he does this thing where he stands in a hallway. Oh, and that's looks, Kyle McLaughlin again. Oh, is that him? God, this happens way later then, doesn't it? Yes, it does. That's right. why I was like, we were done with this. Oh, well, never mind. Then that guy disappears and that's the end of that. And Harry Dean Stanton was there and hooray. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. This is right around where I paused because my daughter was not having this. <laughs> I mean, you also were not having this, so it's fair. I Yeah, but, you know, she's a baby. I cannot have this professionally, but she can... I, I can't do I can't do this to her. She needed some time in her backyard pool. Uh, so, yeah, we focus in on Laura Palmer now and just very quickly it is established that she's like, hey, I do cocaine and have sex. That's me, <laughs> Laura Palmer, the rock and roll clown. <laughs> I do cocaine. <laughs> yeah, seriously, <laughs> though, a lot of cocaine, a lot of cocaine. Uh, also, she's banging a bunch of similar looking grunge dudes now to be fair fucking a bunch the the one dude on the motorcycle that she is banging james does not look like anyone else because he is 50 percent forehead by weight uh yeah and the other percent is well basically i I think they probably did this on purpose he's supposed to look like a young sexy laura palmer's dad (laughs) because because he has the same haircut and cheekbones as ray wise but just on a much younger person so I feel like they, I, you didn't see that? No, I all. saw that shit immediately. No, I don't see that even a little bit. All right. Well, people will either back me up or call me. I don't, you know, I don't fucking have a horse in this race. <laughs> I thought he kind of looked like a young Ray Wise. I do not. Okay. I think he mostly looks like a, like a old Mina Suvari. <laughs> really? Because, yeah, I kind of thought he was, was like, this guy's like, what if Ray Wise had a Val Kilmer period mm. like when he was really young and we never saw it because no one's ever seen a young Ray Wise. He's one of those people who was born 50, uh, kind of like Harry Dean Stanton. Uh, But yeah, like there's that guy. There's and that's that's the guy she is cheating on her other boyfriend, Bobby, with Bobby being the sort of like much more Gen X looking loose hair Uh, uh, flannel tied around his waist. And he's the one who is involved in getting drugs for her. Yes. Uh, And then she is also. 
uh, fooling around with a guy named Buck at one point. Well, I think that might just be a random prostitution thing. And also a guy named Jacques that she is banging for drugs. Yeah, Jacques runs the bar on the uh, edge of the Canada border, which... I think part of it goes over the border mm-hmm. so that when you go into the back of it, you're in Canada, but in the front, you're in the U.S. Mm-hmm. It's, man, <laughs> whatever. So, The yeah. problem with talking about this movie now is David Lynch takes his time. When there's a point that Laura's like, oh, I got to go to this bar. And when she gets into the bar, there is a singer up on stage. We are going to get the entire song. And it's not like, oh, this is a cool song and I want to hear it. It's the worst song played by shittiest guitar. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it's not great. Um, And we have to sit there and go between shots of Laura Palmer looking sad and the singer on stage very boredly singing. Yeah, so... We also established during the in- initial high school shots that Laura Palmer is best friends with a character named like Donna, Donna, who in the show was Laura Flynn Boyle, but in in the in the movie is indeed not. Yeah, they got like Moira Kylie or some shit like I don't know, I don't know. She kinda, but, yeah, they couldn't get Laura Flynn Boyle back because she was like, mm, nah, I'm good. Oh, uh, you know what? It's weird. I just remembered I made that show. Hold on. I just remembered that show sucks ass and I don't want to do this. I don't know if it sucks ass or not. I'm going to be very diplomatic today because I have only seen this film and the pilot episode of the show. Man, only seeing this film would be the worst. It is the worst. I don't know what any of this was about. Because at least for me, there are chunks of this where I go, oh, that's just explaining some shit that happened later on. Was this fucking thing in theaters? I I don't know. I don't know if it was. But... It's one of those things where if you hadn't watched both seasons of the show when it came out, watching it would just be like, wh- why? None of this a thing matters. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, there's a guy with weird gray hair, and then he's not there anymore. And you're like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, the Bob through line in the movie. To, so the Bob is a, is a more relevant character in, in the show then? So in the show... I'll just go ahead and break this down real quick because it's the stupidest shit in the world. In the show, instead of it being just a murder mystery, which the first season pretty much is, Mm -hmm. the second season is like, oh, there are two entities. One name's Mike. One is named Bob. These are in all capitals, Mike and Bob. Okay. Uh, They can possess people and force them to do things. They're basically evil and come from the lodges. Yeah, well, we see that in the film because Bob go. I mean, towards the end of the film, Bob returns to the lodge to, like, splash crap on the ground or something. I don't care. Yeah, and they basically wanted Laura in the lodge, which is why they were after her. Okay, well, they spent a long time on it. Yeah, because uh, they because apparently they started sneaking into a room at night when she was 12 and then just kept doing that all the way till she, when she was a senior in high school at the age of like 31, <laughs> like 19 years they were working on this project. Uh, anyway, yeah, th- we're now we're now in in Twin Peaks. Uh, but but our agent Kyle McLaughlin isn't yet. Yeah. Uh, back at the home office. We have the David Bowie thing. Yeah, that is some fucking nonsense. Yeah, he like 
goes and talks to, like I say, talks to Lynch for a minute, and then he goes and stands in the hallway looking at a camera, a security camera, and then goes and checks the security camera feed, repeats that several times until all of a sudden David Bowie walks in all serious looking, but he doesn't match up on the camera feed to where he is in actual time. Yeah. Uh, and then he pops in, and they're like, oh, look, it's Agent Cooper. He's returned to us after a uh, long Cooper, time. Cooper is McLaughlin. Oh, I'm sorry. It's it's Agent David Bowie. Agent David Bowie is here. Yeah, and he's like, well, I'll tell you one thing we're not going to do, and that's talk about Judy. We're not talking about Judy, I'll tell you. I paid attention to this part because I like David Bowie. Yeah, well, I was Uh, like, David Bowie's in this. I should not have done. Uh, I saw that when we were when it was starting up yeah. the movie. It was like David Bowie, and I'm like, "Oh shit, David Bowie's in this neat." I knew about that because I recently read an article about characters who had been replaced in famous films <laughs> or, or in, in uh, film or, or television roles, like, and they were really incongruous. Because apparently, in season three, the character of David, season three of David Lynch, is is Lynch's Twin Peaks. David Bowie has been recast as a boiling tea kettle. And that that I think his name's Richard Anderson or James Anderson or something. The little person actor who speaks backwards yeah. has been replaced by a CGI tree with a brain stuck on top of it. Good, love it. Uh, so Philip Jeffries, by the way, is the name of that agent that David Bowie is playing. Sorry, what? Philip Jeffries. Philip Jeffries. Well, anyway, he pops in, and says you won't talk about Judy, and then starts up a creepy static-induced flashback that's a bunch of red room shit. Yeah, it's a uh, it's the biggest part of the film for the uh, the arm as he is known, the backwards talking actor who pops in and says, you know, like, I am the arm, and this is how I talk. Yeah, there's some some nonsense about a Formica table. Green is the color. Eh, none of it makes sense or matters. Yeah, it's just stuff. It's just uh, dumb We're shit. introduced to all the characters in the Black Lodge at this point. There's the old lady who beckons. Uh, Jürgen Prochnow, as himself, I assume, uh, uh, the arm, and a little boy wearing a paper mask that capers and cavorts, who is basically David Lynch as a child, right down to wearing the too big of a suit that seems to be David Lynch's thing. Yeah. Uh, and finally, an older person in the same paper mask, who also capers and cavorts. <laughs> uh, good lord. The, the whole thing with this uh in twin peaks with laura she finds out that a couple pages of her diary is missing uh it's the pages that really uh recount her whole you know sexual assault by her dad yeah and so she freaks out she goes around town very slowly and gibbers strangely at various people well she starts by going to visit this herald character who she's like you don't understand it's bob bob took the pages out of my diary he's like bob isn't real bob and she's like no we've had this conversation bob is real here i but look the pages are missing you can't fake missing pages and he's like uh yeah but you could easily fake fake who did it that uh anyway and she's like anyway bye i'm not you're the one you're the one guy who i'm not going to talk to again oh also by the way i'm gonna freak out and say firewalk with me and my mouth is gonna turn like blue and- oh was that to him okay yeah All and right. then i'm gonna leave i'm gonna leave yeah so it, then they're at high school and she is sleeping she she hooks up with uh one guy uh, I don't remember which it was because it's Bobby that she has. Is it James that she has a conversation with on the grass right afterward? I thought it was Bobby because he was mean about it. 
No. So she hooks James up. is the one that she hooks up with while okay. she's in a towel. Okay, so she's in a towel. She hooks up with James. She goes back out on the ground and is accosted by Bobby, who's like, hey, where were you? I thought we were going to hook up. He says to a woman leaving high school, and she's like, I don't know. I was probably in high school. Uh, <laughs> but, but instead, she just goes, and she, instead of being like, leave me alone, we're in a very public situation for this to happen. She goes, oh, come on, Bobby. Come on. Oh, come on. Bobby. Oh, come on. Well, yeah, she's a huge asshole to him to begin with and is like, you're a dumb idiot and you suck and fuck you. And then as soon as he's like, oh, I'll, I won't give you any more drugs, she just kind of like smiles and grabs his arm and she's like, yeah, it's okay. Mm-hmm. And that works. Yes, uh, because he's a drugged out moron. Um, and then she leaves with her friend uh, Donna. Donna. Uh, and the two of them have a conversation or something. I don't... At this point, the events of the film become foggy, and I do not remember their order in the slightest. <laughs> well, you can just let me take over. But then, by all means, please do, as I look off into the distance. The middle distance. Mm. My favorite distance. It is a very good distance. So, the movie basically follows Palmer going around and... Being crazy at drugs, people? Yeah. And slowly realizing that her dad is actually Bob. Yes. Uh, the movie she, is a horrible through line of her father being her sexual abuser. Yep. Which is terrible. And, and uh, unresolved, unless you apparently watch two seasons of a, of a vaguely related TV show. Yeah, I mean, season two, he does get got, but <laughs> it takes a fucking while to get there. And... We're supposed to not even be, like, super angry at him because he's possessed. But honestly, he, we find out in this, he's been, he was sleeping with Teresa back in the day. Because she looks like his daughter. Yeah, and then at one point, he's like, ooh, why don't you bring those girlfriends you were talking about over, and finds out his daughter actually is prostituting herself mm -hmm. and then he doesn't say anything and just gives her some money and leaves yeah and we also find out that he killed Teresa. yes and presumably hid a little t under her fingernail for Teresa. yeah yeah that part's left open like he's the one who killed her and wrapped her up and threw her in a river and there's never a point where it explains why the little piece of paper is under her fingernail yeah uh meanwhile Mm -hmm. We do get to go back to uh, Agent Cooper at the home office one more time, where he is it's, a psychic. He's just psychic here, and Miguel Ferrer is mad at him because he's not psychic enough of a psychic. There's a through line through this and the show where Agent Cooper has basically premonition dreams. Okay. Uh, so both... In the first season and the second season, like a big part of it is he had a dream and he's like, as soon as I figure out what this dream means, then I know who will have done it or I know what clues I'll need and so on. Great. Yeah. In this case, he's like, yes, I do know who the next victim is. And Miguel Ferrer is like, all right, let's run it down then. What will be the gender of the next v of the next victim? Oh, be a female. Mm hmm. And uh, the at uh, the nationality. Oh, white. And the age. Uh, high school. Okay, and uh, can I get any other details about her? Blonde. And she's on drugs. <laughs> and then he's like, okay, oh, oh and, and he, she's sexually active. And Ferrer's like, God damn it, that's like half of all high school girls. Which, not really. I mean, if you're talking about half of all white, blonde high school girls, I don't think 
half of them are sexually active and on drugs? I, I don't know. Uh, but I do know that him being upset that that much information was pulled out of nowhere is kind of funny. Oh, yeah. I, I guess he should have just been like, yeah, psych- psionics are bullshit. That also sort of ruins a bit in the show when he shows up in the show as a guy mm-hmm. to help out in the investigation because there's no mention of like, Hi, it was me. I was completely right on every detail about who would be the next person to die. And he doesn't get to go, wow, I guess you are psychic. Well, He's I mean, kind of like, well, why'd you call me in here? How long on the show does it take before the, the veneer of her being the homecoming queen is stripped away and it's revealed that she was sleeping around town and, and, and high on coke? I mean, it's a couple episodes in and, you know, he's talked to like James, and Donna and a few people and it starts to come to light that like, Oh, she wasn't the innocent person that everyone thought she was. And no, she was sort of a weird Scully Helen Hunt con- uh, hybrid uh, that <laughs> with higher up hair. And uh, yeah, so I just I don't know why that scene exists because it mostly ruins Miguel Ferrer later in the series. I feel like they just keep wanting to set up that these FBI agents are used to very weird shit. Like, well, yeah, because. When he says, like, oh, it's one of his Blue Rose cases, you're like, oh, does that mean supernatural? Is yeah. that what Blue Rose is? Yeah, it must be one of them supernatural type. What I'm curious about in that... We've got to go find a Scully for this X-File. Yeah, when you do, we definitely need to go figure out the story of a Scully. The, pro- the problem with the Teresa Palmer case, or sorry, the Teresa Banks, Banks case at the beginning of this film is, I don't understand why Lynch's character would have assumed this was a supernatural event. Yeah, I mean, when you find just sort of a dead body somewhere... Uh-huh, a dead drifter? Gosh. Uh, oh, a no. A dead, young, good-looking female drifter? Gee, what what, what oh, could... Oh, surely this was ghosts. This must have been werewolves. Yeah, I don't... <sighs> Whatever. It's fine. Probably he has also some sort of psychic powers or some shit, too. Who knows? Yeah. Well, in, in any event, yeah, the, we get a, a little sort of subplot happening around this point about Bobby trying to score additional coke. Yeah, because he owes money to Leo, mm-hmm. who is more of a character in the show, but he's like, oh, we're going to get a big score, and I'm going to... I think he like, disconnects from Leo and goes to, jo- to Jacques. Yeah, he's like, Jacques, you're going to help me, and... Leo is, is an abusive, random like drug dealer guy. Yeah, he's a trucker drug dealer. Who's got a wife, and he's yelling, her, yelling at her about tile cleaning or something. Oh, yeah, he's an abusive husband. Yeah, that's his whole character. Okay. Uh, he is more or less Mr. Not appearing in this film as well. Yeah. So there's so many characters in this movie that are really important in the series, probably. And I'm just, Oh, yeah. I like, couldn't even tell them apart because most of them just look like 90s sw- uh, singles dirt bags. Well, especially because most scenes that involve these people are at night. Yeah. And it's just dark. Yeah. And you're like, all I can see is denim. Like, I don't know who you are. Yeah. Yeah. So... So he's going to help Jacques. Jacques's like, uh, yeah, buddy, I can hook you up with some drugs. Midnight, two days from now, at the sound of sawing wood. You know, because I couldn't just say sawmill. Yeah, yeah. I, I, well, by the same token, when he calls Leo, he's like, hey, Leo, uh, do, you, do you believe in Santa Claus? Yeah, because the football's empty. The football's empty. Do you believe in Santa Claus? Because he's like, hey, man, do you have any Coke? Yeah. I guess this was an era where everyone was really afraid that the phones were all bugged. I guess. Must be. But <laughs> nowadays, if I wanted, I don't really want any, but if I wanted any Coke, I'd just be on Facebook being like, hey, who knows where I can get Coke? Does anyone know where I can get some fine China? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't even, I don't I don't know that. 
I'd be worried that someone would like actually like my grandparents would pop up and be like, "Yes, you'll get some when we die." Oh yes, I know a lovely dealer of fine china, and yes, I am talking about cocaine. Yeah, I should try that at some point because I would like I would love a mushroom hookup. I don't know about you, John. <laughs> I thought you were saying you should try coke at some point. No, I should not. And try I was c- like, you have blood pressure problems. You should not be doing I, coke. I, coke is about the farthest drug. F- well, I mean, okay. Coke is the farthest reasonable drug from from me being willing to try it. Yeah. Because Coke's like, it won't necessarily, it probably kill me because of my blood pressure. But yeah. most people, it just sort of makes them hyper and think they're creative for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, we're discounting all the super strong bad ones here, like crack and meth and what have you. But Coke is like the, the one where I'm like, no, man, that would, that would cause me to explode. Yeah. Why are we talk? I don't know. Because it's, you know what? Because it's a, a more anchored conversation to me. Well, yeah, we are going to have a point where, like I was talking about where Laura goes into the bar. That is a scene that, let me just go ahead and say this. Laura goes into a bar and is going to essentially have sex for money. Mm-hmm. Donna finds her and follows her to the place where this is going to happen, which is the back room of this bar that's in Canada. I need to talk about this for a second here. And But go ahead. And uh, they get drunk, start to make out, and then she sees that Donna is getting taken advantage of and takes her home. Yeah. Now, the description of that... Please let me describe this bar. ...takes 30 seconds. Yes. The actual scene is like 20 and nothing happens. So, okay, she first she's in a blue bar... She's had some kind of fight with Donna, and so she goes to go kind of cry about this whole best friend situation at a bar where a woman is singing a very sad, very slow song about blue stuff, uh, and Donna sees her in there, but goes to sit by herself somewhere else while while she's crying, and then while the song continues to play, two random dudes come in and slap $50 on the table, and they're like, yeah, and she's like, oh, so you want to fuck the homecoming queen, huh? And he's like, yeah, baby, do you go all the way around the world? And then she gets on weirdly aggressive at him, and she's like, I do. Are you going to fucking do it? Can you do it to me? Are you the one who's going to do it? Are you going to go all the way around? Yeah. Uh, and then they're like, they have this whole thing where she's like, this isn't enough money or whatever. But ultimately, it is. Donna shows up and is like, hey, let's just leave, huh? You don't need to do this. And when when uh, Laura's like, no, I'm doing it. Fuck you. She's like, okay, well, then I'm going to do it, too. Now, they move from a blue bar where a long, slow song is being played to a red bar where a different long, slow song is being played. And the red bar is the worst bar in any country. I don't know. I think it's (laughs) supposed to be in Canada, but it's the worst bar. It's a dark red bar where a bunch of, like, uh, trucker prostitutes are just sort of vaguely dancing next to each other. Yeah, just sort of swaying with their tops off. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they're working or what the deal is. It's just the... Come on in and get naked and slow dance bar. There you go. Very unusual. Uh, Jacques is there, and he's apparently been one of uh, Laura's customers in the past. Uh, and the, the then the group of them, uh, Buck, who is her date for the night, the other guy who is, who is uh, Donna's date for the night, Jacques and some other random people are like, they all have beers. And there's, first of all, there's one blues chord that plays relentlessly for the entire 20 <laughs> minutes of this scene. <laughs> Just darn, darn, darn. For 20 minutes. Um, And then there's a part where they're all drinking beers, and every time they take a sip of their beers, and they all have the same beer, every time they take a sip of their beer, they all pass their beers to each other. 
And also, it's not just like take a sip, pass, take a sip. It's like take a sip, pass, maybe pass again, maybe pass again, take a drink, cross the uh, over this way, cross and pass, pass and cross. There's uh, no real rhyme or reason to it. Well, the reason is so they can roofie Donna. Yes. But, uh, which it seems like it, Laura's completely on board with, because when, when the, the roofied beer is finally handed to Donna, Laura goes, ha ha, chug a lug, Donna, which, and then it's like, no, she doesn't know about the drugging. Uh, she wouldn't have approved that. And she gets mad when she realizes that's what happened. Uh, but she does say something ominous for that drink and for no other drink. Yeah. It's one of those things where. I think at the time she was like, oh, I'm going to show Donna that she shouldn't try and be like me because this is awful, but instead she just fucks everything up and it sucks because she's Laura Palmer and she's very bad at everything. Yep. At this point, Laura starts dancing with a random woman who pops up and is like, hi, I'm Ronette or something. I was probably on the show. Yeah. uh, She was the other person who survives her death. She was the other person in the train car when she got killed. Yeah. And so in the show, she's just sort of like catatonic. Oh, okay. Uh, The two of them, like, don't they just sort of have a close conversation for a long time about a different time? They were at a weird topless dance bar at a different part of Canada. Yeah. Well, One-Eyed Jacks is way more than this, the thing that features prominently as a brothel in the show. Oh, okay. Uh, and then the random buck dude decides to go under a table and go down on both of them at once, which is confusing. Uh, but then she sees that Donna is being roofied and she's like, no. And amazingly, Jacques, for the moment here, has a heroic turn as he helps her escape, pull Donna out of this rape situation. Jacques is very weird in this because in any other scenario, he's pretty much just the worst yeah he's basically a big fat mean drug dealer who is a horn dog and takes advantage of everyone and is a rapist but for one moment he's just like oh yeah how dare you yeah <laughs> and i'm like all right sure uh so then they escape that situation uh donna <laughs> donna and, and like i said i'll take over man no you've i'm sorry a, you've got a fuzz brain i'm sorry i don't have a fuzz brain the movie is fucking shit no that's what i'm saying you have a fuzz brain about this movie <laughs> fair enough i was worried you were accusing me of not being sharp in every other situation i mean also yes. which is fair but in the, i'm feeling very sharp right now and this movie is ungodly but please by all means do it's, take it's your show it's an absolutely ridiculous movie because Everything is just sort of the same and takes so long that you will have zoned out by the time something happens. There's a part that we're coming up to here that makes no fucking sense. I I, I absolutely 100% has to be connected to the show in every way uh, and just left me floored. But we're coming to it, so I'll let you get to it. But by all means. I mean, I don't know which one you're talking about because we get Bobby... And Laura go get some drugs. It's that one. It's the one where they they shoot a guy in the woods, and she's like, ha, 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 you killed Mike. Hey, you killed Mike, Bobby. You killed Mike. And I'm like, who the fuck is Mike? And the weird thing is, Mike, in the show, is a weird possessing spirit, mm-hmm. but in this, he's just some drug dealer that they murder, 
which is confusing enough. It'd be like if they were like, oh, yeah, Bob is there's trying no- to get me. Oh, also, there's Bob over there. He runs the local park. Well, it's worse because there's no point where this dude that they meet in the woods to buy drugs from introduces himself. Yeah. He's never like, hi there, I'm Mike. He's just like, hi, I'm a stranger in the woods. Hi, I'm I have, here to deliver drugs. I have a kilo of drugs, and then I'm going to reach into my shirt for uh, suspicious reasons. And I have a gun, and then I get shot by Bobby. Yeah. And then she thinks it's funny because she's high. Yeah. And she's like, you killed Mike. That's a dead Mike you killed. You killed Mike. And I was like, who the fuck is Mike? Is this guy Mike? Did she ever meet this guy? What are we doing? And then later or, or, or later on in the day, earlier on in this episode, when you were like, there are two possessing spirits. One is named Bob and the other is named Mike. I was like, oh, so is the Mike one dead because he got shot at this point in this film? No, obviously not. Also, that guy wasn't possessed by Mike. So she just pulled a name out of her ass, and it happened to be a different possessing spirit. Yes, that that's so awful. Yes, it is. No, but but we did skip over the part where she takes Donna to her house, uh, and her and uh, Ray Wise walks in on them and is like, "Ah, I'm imagining them in their underwear because I'm a creep." Well, no, that's his flashback to when he had seen her when he was going to go visit Teresa. Yes. Um, because he's like, oh, the, my daughter is close to one of her friends, and I am picturing that situation. It's just yet another shot uh, excuse to get this character into her underwear. Well, yeah, this uh, movie is a lot of like, hey, we couldn't do this on TV, but we're going to show some titties. Yeah, we also get the skippiest, the, the biggest thing we I think we skipped, which is the freaky uh, series uh, shot of Ray Wise inspecting her hands. Yeah. That I was, mean, it's just the, a weird, disturbing scene. It was a creepy scene that I felt like actually was pretty strong because Ray Wise is very good at playing a horrible creep. Yeah. No, there's a few decent little scenes in here. It's just so disjointed because yeah. David Lynch. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, this drug dealer named Mike, but not named Mike, but definitely not the one character in the show who is named Mike, but definitely called Mike, uh, is killed by Bobby, who tries to bury him by loosely throwing dirt on one part of him. Yeah, well, isn't willing to let go of the gun he has in his hand, so he's just sort of one-handedly loosely throwing dirt on a dead guy. Yeah. And he's like, help me bury him, because that's definitely what I'm doing right now. I'm definitely burying him and not a different thing. Uh, And then the two of them eventually just leave. Yeah, so eventually we get to kind of the big reveal of this where... Laura's at home. She goes to sleep, and then Bob comes in the window. Bob is just wearing a denim tuxedo and has scraggly long gray hair and Mm -hmm. looks like some kind of pervert. And then Mm -hmm. he starts fucking her, and she's like, who are you? With everyone's pants on for this fuck scenario. Oh, yeah. Everyone's pants all the way on, belts done up. (laughs) Who are you? And then finally, like, the facade of Bob flickers away and she can see that it's her dad. This freaks her the fuck out, obviously. Uh, also, uh, also, her dad has drugged the mom character with drugged milk so that she'll fall asleep for the night so he can go do this. This will happen several times in the show as well. Okay, very good. Uh, <laughs> so, after that, she pretty much just decides all right it's fucking go time on well, she the goes, worst decisions yeah she goes completely bonkers it, it, the next morning her father's like hey i'd like to have a conversation with you and she's like never talk to me or my son again <laughs> yeah and at this point she's like well fuck it i'm gonna get i'm gonna go see jacques and get as many 
drugs as possible. I'm going to just get completely fucked up. Yeah, and... she has a, a brief moment where James comes to visit her in front of the house, and she's like, I don't want to talk to you anymore, James. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to tell you very briefly that Bobby killed a guy, and you're going to be like, what? And then I'll be like, never mind. Ha no. Anyway, take me home. Well, first we get, but there's a shot of her sitting around in, in her, her teddy. Uh, I feel like if your dad raped you the night before, you wouldn't be in the same bedroom the next night getting dolled up. It, the whatever. whole movie is fucked. I mean, we only got seven days to get through things, so don't worry about it. But yeah, she uh, basically she, just tells James, hey, fuck you. Yeah, and then she she falls comically falls off his motorcycle while he's riding around, and she's like, just don't, just go, just don't, and he leaves, but luckily, right where she jumped off the motorcycle is, you know, one walk into the woods away from Jacques and his whole situation. Yeah. So, the father has followed her at this point, mm -hmm. although... It's sort of unclear whether it's the dad or Bob at any given point. Yeah, I think we. the other thing that we skipped over here that I wanted to mention, first of all, the log lady appears briefly right around this part. Uh, I mean, way before that. It's yeah, right before she goes into the bar. Yeah, the log lady pe appears and it's just like, hey, I've got some random words to say. Yeah, that's uh, why I went over it, because it, it didn't matter. Yeah, anyway, burning <laughs> or whatever. And also the scene where Ray Wise and her are driving around, I feel like might have been kind of an irrelevant scene, because it it's another one about the ring that seems to matter somehow. I don't know. I yeah. don't know. They get threatened. She's driving around with her dad to go pick up their mom, uh, and she's suspicious that her dad might have been raping her for the past several dozens of years, uh, but she can't figure out how to say that, you know? That's not, a, that's not an easy question to ask. Uh, but while they're driving, a random pickup truck with a camper shell, like, goes all crazy near them, and then a dude pops up and starts yelling random things at him. He's like, you! You, Leland! The string will not be broken! Yeah. So... That's Jürgen Prochnow's character. So, yeah. Sorry that's about the that. Scene. It's just a thing that fucking happens. Yeah, it is. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, you're welcome. I just thought it was a big, important scene. I don't know what's important and what isn't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, the dad shows up at Jacques' cabin, mm -hmm. beats the shit out of Jacques. Uh, the other random dude. Leo off. is there yeah. and sort of helps Jacques to his feet and they get the fuck out of there. Yeah. And then Bob slash uh, the dad. Uh, I forget what his name. Something Leland, Palmer. Leland, Leland, Leland that's Palmer. That's right. Leland Palmer. Kidnaps. Uh, the two, two girls yeah. and takes them somewhere to an abandoned train car. And, uh, I mean, I would say tortures them, but mostly he's just like, look at a mirror. Also, the, the other th in this scene, both of them have gonzo porn makeup on. Like they have so much lipstick that it's like everywhere and they're and they're they, they, well, a lot of that is blood and it's made to look like lipstick. That's well, going no, on there. that is that's very true for Ronette or whatever. But but uh, for for Laura, it's you it's bright pink. It's not blood. It's just super bright pink bleh, all the way across the face. Like you were saying, she'd make a great Joker. And this is this is pretty much her audition tape right here. Oh, yeah. Um. So she's. Completely smeared up with ridiculous makeup. This is the point in the movie where it just starts dropping into super heavy, staticky, flashbacky, like one second. Well, we get like a bunch of shit, weird, static blue light. An angel is around. 
she's looking at herself and her dad keeps flashing between like dad and bob ronette's over in the corner just saying just kill me please don't look at me just kill me yeah and and then she finally gets the ring and then dies yeah and jürgen proc now stomping around in the woods trying to find them (sighs) and then she dies and we go to the lodge where leland palmer is suspended from the seat the the kind of hovering in the air and bob comes in and does sort of like a Ooh, where, oh, where has my fishy gone thing? And, like, sucks the damage from his... Because he's, like, bleeding from his stomach, and he, like, sucks that away and gets rid of it, and then splatters blood onto the floor. Yeah, it's the Garmon Bogia, John. Because (laughs) the arm demanded his Garmon Bogia. Yeah. Which is... Pain and suffering. Pain and suffering. So Bob very dramatically pulls it out of out of Leland and then blats it on the ground, and then the arm looks at it and it vanishes. Yeah. So, great. Uh, we also get a very long reverse close-up shot of someone eating garbanzo beans. Yes, in indeed. In case you wanted that, because it's a word that is similar to garmonbosia. And then Laura's in the fucking lodge, and also so is Agent Cooper. And some angel. And an angel, which when I looked it up, is the angel that was in the train car and the angel in there are two different people, and I was like, why? I don't know. They, they had two, he needed two angels for this. Uh, anyway, yeah, that's how it ends. It's I don't understand how he managed to get five hours, and this is the edited version. I like to think that there were just five more hours of people passing beers back and forth in, these to- in the topless. Oh, I assume it was just, just like, what was the rest of the five hours? Oh, I'm sure there was an entire scene where Laura sat in class for a half hour. Yeah, there was a, there was a, an extended two-hour sequence where Kyle MacLachlan explained pies to the log lady. Huh. Just and then boysenberry pie, of course. And I, I again, I've not seen Twin Peaks. I just know his character has a lot of stuff. Pie business, pie and coffee, pie and coffee business. Yep. That's uh. There are papers written about the importance and significance of coffee in twin peaks so it, it comes up a lot in this uh there's only but only in the beginning because only agents seem to care about coffee yes uh they get mad when the police threaten them with bad coffee uh they go to a diner for coffee and then they uh they are given a cup of good morning america as it's called by uh by Haradine stanton and they drink and they're like oh this coffee's bad because it's that real 48 hour blend Coffee, coffee, coffee. Anyway, as soon as we're done with the agents in this movie, no one will mention it ever again. Yeah. It is basically just for the agents. Yeah. Uh, pretty much the same thing with Pi. Like, no one else besides Cooper in the show gives a half a shit about Pi, but he is constantly just like, yes, fucking Pi. Mm. I mean, granted, same, but... You know, John is often fucking pie. I am often the American pie fucker. Yeah, you're basically the Jason Biggs of our dynamic. Yeah, which obviously. leaves me as the the stiffler of our the, dynamic. Sean William Scott, I guess. No, you are the stiffler well, of I, our I dynamic. I didn't make you whatever Jason Biggs's character's name in that is because just like the rest of America, I don't fucking know. True. Hmm. 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 It's just stiffler. That guy. Uh. And Bandcamp Girl, as far as I remember. From yeah, it. sure. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's it. I think her name was Michelle. Probably. That's uh, a weird bit of information to have yeah, in my brain. Yeah, and then there was the dude who fucked Stifler's mom. Yeah, that guy. He's Freddy. He's the titular Freddy of the film Freddy Got Fingered. <laughs> so he is forever Freddy. Uh, anyway, that's uh, that's Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me. It is 
top to bottom nonsense and sorry everybody in this case i'm going to plead the fifth i've never seen the movie that, or the show that would have made any of this make any sense thing is i have and it doesn't matter because all it is if you've seen the show you're just like oh good a prequel that just shows the things we already know but very slowly and terribly like and did- if you haven't seen it you're like this is nonsense, and I don't know what's happening. The thing I'm really curious about when I'm watching this film is, did David Lynch want this? Or was he like, oh, man, uh, ABC or whatever is desperate for more Twin Pinks. Twin, twin Pinks. For more Twin Pink. And he was like, he was like, I'm not giving you more Twin Pink, but I will give you a two-hour movie of it, so I don't have to make a whole season what-what, you flop doodle. I mean, no. Because <laughs> as far as I can tell, the second season went full lynch because that's when it introduced like there's a giant alien being that talks to agent cooper that gives him a vision and they need to find the two possessing spirits of mike and bob and there's a black and a white lodge like all of that is introduced in season two and after season two abc was like no we're good you went full lynch and we don't want it okay and then he was like well screw you then i'll make a movie yeah pull my pants up real real high and apparently everyone hated it they were just like oh this is garbage like critically and even fans of the show went no this is actually terrible so even people that liked twin peaks still looked at firewalk with me like why why would you do this this is less useful than the fucking phantom menace as far as prequel material goes who gives a shit I guess, yeah. I don't know. I, 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 you know, at least I got. I'm glad that most of these cool character actors got work again. I mean, this is the second time we've reviewed a movie with the with the guy that played the arm in it, because he was the well successful happy father when we reviewed Tiptoes. Indeed, yeah. And uh, yeah, I feel bad for that guy. That this is the work he has to get. I mean, technically, if you're in Twin Peaks nowadays because it's a whole cult thing oh he's not yeah he he's he's not in the third season as i mentioned before but i'm saying yeah twin peaks is a huge cult following thing oh i guess i mean that's why it has a third season i feel like someone must have told me to go watch the show back when i gave a fuck about lost they're like hey you like shows that are weird for their own sake and they never answer fucking anything you should go check out (laughs) twin peaks it uh, turns out they're in hell or something. The end. Do 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 do. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's bad. Yeah, the whole thing is bad. Now let me let me go ahead and top this bad boy off. Mm-hmm. Jeff, what would you say is the best thing in this movie? Oh, for sure, it's the scene where Leland Palmer. Uh, instructs his daughter to sit down at the dinner table uh, without mentioning that she's sitting down for dinner and then yells at her for not having washed her hands before sitting down for dinner. It's a terrifying scene that sh- that sets him up as a creep very effectively. Uh, and if that was if this whole movie was just this dude's a creep to this gir- this woman and, and what's going to happen, that would have been way better. Yeah, the setup in that is so much better of weird character work because the dad, even in the show when he's not being all possessed by Bob, is still just like has a nervous breakdown and is super obsessed with his daughter. Yes, yeah, he's super obsessed with his. He's kind of got a fifties vibe to him. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where that scene is it's 
wasted in the movie because they immediately in this and of course in the show are like oh no it's not that he's creepy it's that he's possessed by a whatever i'm like man if you had taken that supernatural shit out and yeah. just been like oh no that he's just a horrible creep and a terrible person great sure yeah it was way that scene happened before any of the bob shit uh well except for the part where she was like i think i'm being raped by a guy named bob uh at the near the beginning the uh that scene was terrifying there's you've got the wife in there who's completely ineffectual and scared of what's happening mm-hmm. uh it's it's a terrifying scene that it honestly ray wise's performance is basically the the generally speaking the best part of this film yeah because he plays a creepy dad and I, it's, it's well done mm-hmm. what about you john what's your favorite part of this movie i mean that was definitely the best scene in this movie i I really liked Kiefer Sutherland in this. He's he's very good. He's only in the movie for like 10 minutes, but he's yeah. very good. Yeah, his character is very well done. Mm-hmm. He's great at acting it out. He's interesting. He does which good. Means, of course, he has to leave immediately. He does very well with the Lynch dialogue, too. Like the scene where he has to just be like, you know, I estimate the value of this entire sheriff station, including the furniture, at about $27,000. Just out of nowhere. Yeah. Like that's just some random thing he says. It, it's fine. It's fine because he does a good job delivering the dialogue. Yeah, he makes that character realistic in a way that another actor would not have yeah because there's plenty of times in this and in the show where you're like this is nonsense and i don't understand what's happening and nothing here is grounded in any way so i don't care yeah no that completely happens so at least with that you're like oh you're a weird character but at least you're doing it well yes uh, I mean, same thing with Ray Wise. You have a weird nonsense attitude and like the way you act is ridiculous, but you're selling it because you're a good actor. Yeah, I think that, that yeah, there are people in this movie who understand where they are and they do a very good job with it. Yeah. I mean, I'd even give it that to Laura Palmer in a, or, or I'm sorry, uh, what's Cheryl Lee in a lot of situations like, oh, yeah, she's definitely presented with some incredibly bad dialogue that she has to because most of her dialogue in this movie is non sequiturs. Yes. Almost everything she says, they'll be like, I don't understand. Why aren't you upset? Why are you upset in this situation? And she'll be like, ah, and they'll be like, what, what, did, what do you, what do you shout? Is there someone behind us? What was that? And she goes, and she'll just say, you know, you see it now, right? It's because you and me. And then what? Slap. And he's just, it's just random. Yeah. Uh, all right. Worst thing in the movie for you, Jeff. I don't even, I, I don't know the, the, f- the flow. I it's oh, oh, okay. I'm just going to say the the combined bar scenes, they are endless and droning and they just, I just wasn't feeling it. I just didn't. I mean, sure. Granted, it's because one of them has a boring song in it. And the other one is basically a long form rape scene with characters that happily survive the film. Yep. Uh, but boy, that just moving from that one boring song to the other boring song and from that blue space to that red space. I'm, I, I hate to think that the people making this were th- thought that was super fucking clever. Yeah. When they were like, oh, what if they move from an angelic blue bar to like a hellish red bar? Ugh. Yeah. It'll be symbolic. There's some heavy handed shit in this. Yeah. that, But that was by far the most boring part of this. Just this endless watching characters pass beer to each other stuff. No, it was bad. It was yeah. very bad. Yeah, there you go. And it was the part with boobs in it. So you'd think I'd be I'd be like, hell yeah. But no, it's no, you want happy boobs. I want happy boobs. I don't These want are just slow, sad, boobs. out, sad boobs. Yeah. We've talked about this before that if I'm if I'm doing if I'm into boobs, it's because there's joy happening. Yeah. Which is why I like 80s woods porn comedies. Yeah. So worst thing for me, 
Yes, uh, Little John, worst thing. Sorry. I'm going to say, I mean, outside of the fact that there are just long stretches of nothing in this, which is pretty much what you touched on in the bar scenes. Yes. Uh, I'm going to say it's all of the stuff that they were like, oh, we're going to add in all these prequel scenes to show what was going on. And the don't connect anything at all. Well, the problem is, it's like, oh, if you watched this and then watched Twin Peaks after it, you'd go, wait a minute, hold on. Why is no one mentioning any of the shit that happened in this? Yeah. Because, like, Cooper talks to Donna. She never mentions Jacques or what happened in the bar or any of the shit with that. Like, she does go, oh, yeah, uh, she had, like, a problem and maybe she was sleeping with someone else or whatever, but... It takes a while in the first season for them to finally, like, even get the name of Jacques. Does Bobby get hauled off for killing that random drug dealer named Mike? Uh, no. He does get hauled in and then let go at some point. Okay. But, yeah, like, the whole thing just doesn't tie in very well and is super uncomfortable with all of the incredibly rapey shit going on in here. Including just all the rape. Yeah. Like, there's just... <sighs> yeah, it's not a good, like, oh, this is what we were missing. Like, oh, the show ended too soon before I could explain some things, so let me make a movie to finally explain stuff. It's just, hey, uh, remember all the things I explained? Here they here it is again, but I'm not going to explain it in the movie. Yeah, I mean, the, the end of the movie is horrifying because you're like, sure, she, oh, boy, an angel was there when she finally died. And then she goes to this red room and there's also an angel. And the very well-meaning Agent Cooper is there with one hand on her shoulder. And isn't that nice? And now she gets to spend living or the rest of her life living in eternity with, oh, yeah, the possessing spirit that raped her to death. Yeah, it's uh, it's not good. It's it's very weird. And I don't know what's going on. So, fuck it. Hmm, yeah. So we're going to go ahead and rate this movie. Each of us are going to give a rating from 0 to 5, which will give us combined rating out of 10 for Twin Peaks Firewalk with me, Jeff. I'm going to give this a 1.5. Uh, usually I'd give a movie that this, that's this disjointed and non-story structured, like a 1 or a 0.5, because I don't want people to get stuck into it. But there are good performances here, like real good performances. Like Ray Palmer does, or uh, yeah, Ray Wise does a really good job as Leland Palmer. Harry Dean Stanton is clearly just as bored with the movie as he is with his character. He's like, oh, I don't want to have to do shit. Come on. Ugh. I've been filming for three hours. All the extra shit that got cut was trailer park stuff. <laughs> uh, there, there are good, legitimate performances in this film. They don't make any sense and they're not connected to anything, but, so I'm, but I'm giving it a 1.5. And then I will pass the buck to you. Uh, I'm going to give it that buck. I'm just going to give it a one. I I do think there are some sparks of brilliant performance in this, but they're so brief and generally have so little to do with what's going on that I'm just... I'm left with looking at this movie going, who is this for? Well, yeah, and... I, I think about how there are only, I don't watch almost anything left of what they do, but Red Letter Media likes to make fun of in their long form reviews of bad deep VHS tapes that they have movies that just stop a song and start the next song. Like anytime they're playing like a shitty action movie, they'll be like, all right, we're with this metal songs over. Let's just start the next metal song in the middle of this scene. 
this movie has like a budget and a real director and real actors and stuff and and it does worse it interrupts the song with the same song again yeah the the movie's just like i said i don't know who it's for like if you if you had seen the show you'd come to this and go this isn't adding anything and if you hadn't you'd see it and go this is slow dumb nonsense and i guess david lynch was just like no but i wanted more explicit rape yeah so that's here we go i was mad that i couldn't show boobs and asses so here we go i had to have people in lingerie when i was doing it on abc Mm -hmm. so i mean i gotta wonder when they finally like talked him into doing a third season of the show where they were like all right we're so excited to be working with the visionary david lynch so you're gonna be writing the third season of twin peaks which is great but let me just go ahead and put this right into your contract number one bold no fire walk with me shit (laughs) none of that shit except it was on showtime so of course they had as many tits as david lynch would like yes of course but that Uh, wasn't really my complaint if nudity was necessary for the movie fine whatever i mean if it was necessary yeah but no but it it really wasn't uh but that's i mean it's like i said that's not my primary complaint it's a disjointed movie that has shit or repeated it, it it takes very good songs and repeats them to the point where you hate them it's just there's just so many things wrong with it there's just so many things so two and a half out of ten is our total for twin peaks Firewalk with me it's bad david lynch is bad mulholland drive can eat my whole ass mm. and what blue velvet blue velvet is probably the best thing i've seen of his and it's still not great dune is i uh, oh my god dune i mean are you saying oh my god good or oh my god bad oh my god bad I mean, it's, it, again, it's one of those movies that surprises you with with turns by good by good actors that are squirreled away into the margins of it. See, that's the problem. I feel like David Lynch gets so much credit, but it's just that he manages to cast people that are great. Yeah, he casts like Kyle MacLachlan and and uh, Patrick Stewart in that, and that that little girl who grew up to actually be a famous person. And Sting, uh, Sting is in that, but that little girl, and when she when she finally tosses out that for he is the Quisatz Haderach, and you're like. How did you get someone to say that? And not, <laughs> How did you manage to get a child to say that? That is an incredible thing to have talked a child into saying. Uh, anyway, there you go. We hate David Lynch. Come at us. We don't care, though, if you come at us, because it's not going to affect me in the least if you think David Lynch is a genius. I don't know. I just don't know. I'm, I've, I'm, had, I've had people try and explain David Lynch to me and why he's a genius. And I'm like, nope. No, he's not. <laughs> yeah. I, I just don't get it. So anyway, thank you so much for listening. We will, of course, be back in another couple weeks with more Movie Mastery. Uh, But if you want to support us, of course, you can go to patreon.com slash system mastery. Support us at any level. Anything helps for the show. Mm -hmm. And you can get some bonus content for our other shows. You can get some monthly bonus content. There's so much stuff all the way up to that $5 level, which maxes out the number of shows per month you can get. Yeah, so we've got a ton of stuff there. And... We are going to have our in-theaters now, so if you want to vote on that, and please vote on that, because I want to make sure that what we go see is what the people want. Yeah. So you can go to our website. We want to be the people's Systemmasterypodcast.com, and go to the in-theaters now under the Movie Mastery tab, Mm -hmm. and it's got the poll there. You can vote for this month, and make us go see what you want us to go see. You got it, and until next time, I will kill him!
What? Uh, it's another line from Dune that I enjoyed. I will kill. That's not a very like it's the iconic del- line. It is. I actually. will kill him. It, it, uh, you give you give me the actual iconic line for Fade Routha in that movie, and it's it's definitely I will kill him. <laughs> That's I, some I generic gar- as shit. I guarantee it's Sting, and he's it's it's at the point where he's wearing his most plastic of a wing diaper. Oh, good. And he he just pops out and he just goes, "I will kill him." Uh, which because I guess he's going to get into a fight with uh with. But Paul Mwadib. Anyway, there you go, John. Anyway, thank you so thank much you. for listening. We'll be back in a couple weeks, but until then, you have a good one.